You're now tuned in to the Brendan King Show. From high above the circle in downtown Indianapolis, here's BK. We go to episode 20, another 10 down. Feels like the most previous 10 has gone by way quicker than the first. Episode 20 of the BK Show. What's going on? Thanks for tuning in. Checking in for the first time since the Chris Long interview, Chris Long episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that a lot as much as we did. Again, I want to thank Brent Kaiserman for being in studio for it. I know he had a great time. I want to thank Brian Todd for all the work he has done on the podcast. I want to thank our partners over at Friday Beers. Head to my Twitter and Instagram bio right now. Hit the link. Load up for summer. Grab yourself a shirt, a darty shirt. Code Suckdown Season 21. S U C K D O W N S Z N 21. I'll get you 10% off at checkout. I'll be rolling for the summer. Because it's starting to feel like it. Oh, it's starting to feel a lot like it. The NCAA tournament now passed us. We could start thinking about the month of May here in Indianapolis. The Indianapolis 500. Got some cool updates to come for that. For what I'm going to be doing at the Speedway. But a lot of my time after I get back from Florida. After a little vacay. Is going to be spent at the track. And... Really excited to get down and to kind of unplug a little bit. Really, I was thinking about this. I was in Florida last 4th of July, pretty much. Went down right after the 4th of July. Since that point, I really think it's been every day. Now, of course, the weekends, but, you know, Indiana Sports Talk on the weekends. But I can't remember a particular time, even Christmas I was in studio. I'm really looking forward to unplugging. I'm going to turn off the phone, I'm going to sit on the beach, I'm going to sit by the pool, relax, sit on the deck, listen to some music, just kind of take it all in, breathe deep, and reset, and be ready to go for what's going to be an unbelievable summer here in Indy, and hopefully across the country, Major League Baseball is rolling. Again, the Indianapolis 500, if Roger Penske gets what he wants... 250,000 people over there. You know, you talk about the last few weeks, what we saw for the NCAA tournament, and I talked to you guys about being downtown and just how vibrant it was. Look, you get Roger Penske a full-fledged Indy 500 with the people rolling in and the people celebrating. Indiana's back, man. Indiana's back in a big way. But also, as I look forward to the next couple of weeks, and we're going to have some more content to come during the vacation. It's just It won't be, obviously, completely full episodes, but do have some things planned for you guys. As I think to the next couple of weeks, I can't help but be thankful and to share this with you guys. On Tuesday of this week, on the 13th, I called my first baseball game in 580 days. Notre Dame, Central Michigan, and South Bend. Got done with all my 1070 responsibilities down here in Indy. Drove up to South Bend, right up 31, right past my old place in the Bend. Had to go call the ND baseball game. Stopped by 
Four Winds Field, South Bend Cubs ballpark to say hi to some old friends. And it felt good. It felt really, really good. And, you know, you guys, if you know me well, over the last, you know, let's call it a year and a half, you know, not calling baseball has been really tough. Last summer was really, really weird. Really weird. And although I was thankful to come back here, and I obviously got to spend time with family, ton of time in Mokina. Last summer was really weird. 2016, all summer in the Cape League. 2017, Northwest League. You guys would know, know what was going on in that league. 2018, 2019, it was all South Bend. From April through September, my body is, my body is wired to not sleep. My body is wired to be able to get two hours of sleep on a bus and be ready to go the next day. But this was different. It felt really different. And one thing about the game, it was on television. It was on ESPN+. Plus, So you guys could have accessed it, if you'd like, on the ACC network. And that will be the case if I continue to do some Notre Dame broadcasts here upcoming, which I will be going back every once in a while. You guys can access that on the ESPN app and watch it, which was really cool. But I'm so used. We, and we've talked about this on BK's Big Play a ton on this podcast. The differences between a television and a radio broadcast are staggering. The biggest difference is that in television, you don't need to be that perfect describer of everything in the action. You don't need to mention that the umpire's shadow is getting in the way of the left-handed batter's box. You don't need to mention that the pitcher is rubbing the ball between his hands after he gets a fresh baseball after a foul ball. You don't need to mention that a batter is waving the bat aggressively on his right shoulder. You don't need to mention, particularly, where the catcher is setting up. In television, it's all about the conversation, and it's all about the inner story. It's all about the prep work. In radio, sure, the prep is very important, but it's all about the description. So it was an, in- it was an interesting, I guess, dichotomy from what I was used to, which is clearly radio broadcasting. I haven't done a television baseball broadcast since, oh, May of 2019. So it was a changeup. But I loved it. It was emotional. This was the first baseball broadcast I've ever done without uh, my grandpa George on this planet. And even though he didn't wasn't always able to tune in like the ESPN Plus case, one thing I would always do is send him a text. Call him. Hey, I'm in South Bend today. Hey, I'm in Michigan today. I'm doing this game. He'd all, he would always be curious about what I was doing. And I mentioned his name because his memorial service is this Friday and Saturday. And I'm going to head back home before I head down to the Sunshine State. And uh, that's the night I'm speaking. And uh, you guys have sent me some really nice messages about uh, supporting me through that. And I'm ready to go. I'm really excited about it. And like I said... I get more nervous for normal speaking functions than I do anything broadcasting-wise. But we're ready to go. But, you know, if he was still here and if he was still around, I'd definitely talk about with him, as as I've mentioned, he was sharp as a tack. His brain was not the thing that went away. 
He could talk about anything and everything. I would mention the difference of what I noticed trying to get used to the pace of a television broadcast. Because, you know, if I jump right back into radio play-by-play for baseball, I probably that's relatively easy. That's the bread and butter. But this, it took an inning or two. It's like, all right, this is the pace. This is what I got to go at. And I got a couple calls from the game. Hope you guys enjoy. A non-conference clash at Frank X Stadium awaits us here on a gorgeous day in South Bend as two red-hot clubs meet for the first of two games in the next month. That's lined towards right center. Going to be a tough play for Gillis. Dives. He can't make the catch. Myers will score on his way to second his putts. He'll try for three. And he'll get there diving in. RBI triple. Carter putts. Irish lead 1-0. Ziska big lead off a third. And that's hammered in the right. Another base in. 3-0. RBI single now. As Brannigan reaches. Here's the 0-1. That's drilled. Right field will get down for a base hit. Irish will get a few. Putt scores. As does Brannigan. A two-run double for Kyle Hess. There's a little bouncer towards the middle. The shortstop, Preisner, steps on the bag. A 6-3 double play. Nifty move by Zach Preisner. The leadoff man in the top of the fifth and got a 6-3 double play courtesy of Zach Preisner. And a pop-out to the center fielder, Spencer Myers. Out is the shortstop, Preisner, making a beautiful basket catch, robbing Zach Hickey of a base hit. Cheer 47-14. Low ground ball to the left goes Preisner. Fields throws. That's the game. Notre Dame picks up the 8-4 win. Now, I'm really happy with how that turned out. And you know what? Immediately after I left the broadcast, I was like, hmm, you know, something to build on, but I'm not sure if I'm going to put that on the reel. Now I listen back to it. I, I like it. And it again, it's a bit of a change. In some of those, you guys might have noticed Again, I'm not as descriptive as I usually am. When I mentioned Zach Preisner's um, basket catch where he went out into shallow left center field, I mentioned that he made the basket catch, and it was kind of between the center fielder and left fielder. But if I was doing that on radio, if I was doing that on radio, it would have been more of a call like, Here's a little soft blooper out towards left center, looking to be a Texas leaguer. Coming in is Spencer Myers, the center fielder. Now out is the shortstop, Preisner, who slides and makes a beautiful basket catch for the second out of the inning. And then you dive into something like, you finish up the call, then you start talking about specifically what made that call good, or I'm sorry, what made that play good by Preisner, what he did, and then if that game's on the radio, you're saying specifically how he moved, specifically the route he took on that ball, what he did after the play, if he got a high five from the left fielder or center fielder. It was a great play. But in TV, you make the call, you throw it to your color analyst, and I did have an analyst for this game, former Notre Dame pitcher. It was awesome. Um, I threw it to him, and then he broke it down. Whereas radio... I'm usually by myself, and you're your own color guy. So you got to bounce those ideas off yourself. You're pretty much talking to yourself for three hours a night. I saw a tweet the other day. It said, baseball broadcasters are the original podcasters. Because baseball broadcasters go for three hours straight, just talk about whatever. And it's true. It's true. If you know, if one of you guys is a baseball broadcaster listening, my guy Alex Cohen in Iowa, 
If you're listening, you can relate to this. So, I had a blast, and I just really hope I can do it again in a sooner matter of <laughs> than 580 days. 580 days since the South Bend Cubs cl- championship clincher in Clinton, Iowa. It's crazy. That night, it, it's one of those things where that night is still so fresh in my brain. I can remember basically everything from that night and even after the game. Even though some guys don't. Um, but it feels like such a long time ago with the world in such a different place. But as I was saying at the start, you get an Indy 500 that's rolling. If Penske gets 250000 that'll help the city heal. That'll, that'll help the state heal. Racing fans across the country. Is that step by step? Step by step. All right, good show coming up. David Kaplan, Chicago sports legend, is our guest. Cap has been on television and radio in Chicago since I was a little kid, since I was wearing diapers. Actually met Cap for a five-minute period when I was 17. I got a tour of Wrigley Field from Jim Corno Jr., the former vice president at Comcast Sportsnet Chicago with uh, my Chicago Bandits broadcasting team from high school. Got a tour of Wrigley. Went on the field, third base side, was standing on the dirt, right in front of the Cubs dugout. And, you know, that was the old Cubs. Anthony Rizzo was on that team, but he was the only guy from the, what would have been the World Series team, a very young Anthony Rizzo. You know, Chris Bryant wasn't there yet, Javi Baez. Jake Arrieta wasn't even there. Met Cap. He was standing with Patrick Mooney, now a very good friend of mine. Mooney's going to come on the the, uh, podcast here this summer. Senior writer with the Athletic Chicago, direct reporter of the Chicago Cubs. Cap and Mooney were standing there talking. Shook Cap's hand. Big fan of the show, man. Hey, thanks, brother. And now, over the last couple of years, I've been introduced to Cap. He was gracious enough to spend 20 minutes on the pod. He is just a legend. Guy can cover it all. He's a diehard Cubs fan. He can talk White Sox better than anybody, though. Blackhawks, Bears, Bulls. He was an NBA scout at one point for the Pacers. College basketball. He does college basketball color analyst work for NBC Sports for the Atlantic 10. Guy can do everything. He is a walking Chicago sports encyclopedia nationally, too. Guy is a legend. Now works with ESPN 1000 in Chicago as a radio host. So Cap's coming up here soon. But I do want to get to the Circle Center speed round. Now, it's getting towards that time of the year where you guys start to tell me that you're really big hockey fans because it's playoff season, and I don't have any problem with people jumping on bandwagons and stuff. I'm just saying I'm holding you guys accountable that it's getting towards playoff hockey season, and most recently the NHL trade deadline passed on Monday. There were some significant moves made that will impact this postseason. And if you guys, again, are playoff hockey fans and haven't necessarily paid attention this regular season, it's tough to when there are no fans and it's very different. I've got the answer for you. On today's speed round, we're going to dive into what has happened in this NHL trade deadline. I will give you my top three trades. There's one trade left out in my top three that may surprise you. I'm still going to talk about that particular trade, and I'm going to add one more X factor of something people may have missed. As we get closer to the NHL postseason, and don't get me wrong again, I love playoff hockey more than anybody. 
Those continuous overtime games that sometimes go into three or four OTs, that's what sucks people in. That's what brings people on to be hockey fans. And these trades that we have seen are not only setting up a couple of these teams that we're going to talk about for success right now, they are setting up for success in the future. A couple GMs out there were very, very smart around this trade deadline. So... Everything you need to know that has happened in the National Hockey League comes your way right now on the Speed Round. The first trade we need to talk about is what's going on right now with the Toronto Maple Leafs. General Manager Kyle Dubas was not afraid to spend at this deadline. And you guys may not be familiar. If you listened early on in the season, you may be the all-Canadian division. The divisions have been split up differently this year. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are leading the Canadian division by seven points over the second-place Winnipeg Jets. Edmonton has 52 points. Winnipeg with 53. Montreal knocking on the door with 45. If you guys are not familiar with the point system either, every game in the NHL is worth two points. If a team wins a game, they win two points. If the game goes to overtime, each team gets one point, then they battle it out for the second point in overtime. If nobody scores in overtime, of course, they go to the shootout. Toronto has been up there all season long. A terrific home and away record. Home 14-6-3. On the road, they're 14-5-1. They're better than most with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner up front. Personally, I think Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews is the new one-two punch in the National Hockey League. Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin are still doing great things. The thing is, Ovechkin and Crosby need help around them to win. Matthews and McDavid have shown in the past they can win games by themselves. Crosby and Ovechkin are aging. Gets me to the point. Matthews, skill-wise, can get it done himself. He needs that physicality around him. He's a big kid. He can play that physical game. But when top guys are gunning for him on a nightly basis, he needs some protection. And that's why the Leafs go out and acquire the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Nick Foligno. Foligno's been around a long time. He's aging. He's into his 30s. If there's one thing he can still bring, not really that skill game anymore, not really that speed game anymore for Foligno, Over the last couple years for the Blue Jackets, they've been one of the grittiest teams in the NHL. That's why they were able to upset a team like Tampa in the first round. Foligno brings that grittiness. He will pair perfectly on that fourth line with legend Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons on the right wing. Wayne Simmons beats the crap out of people. He is their, I guess, quote-unquote enforcer. Joe Thornton, from a skill-wise anymore, guy's 40 years old. He's still Joe Thornton, though. He brings it every night. Nick Foligno is going to allow that line to succeed, and any time they want to put him up with Matthews on the first line, Foligno still has the ability. So the Leafs, who are probably about to win the Canadian division, they've got a road to the Stanley Cup, no doubt. Second trade, this benefits both teams. I think in the long run, it helps the most of the Detroit Red Wings. They send the youngster, Anthony Mantha, to the Washington Capitals to go compete for a Stanley Cup with Alex Ovechkin, but the Capitals certainly pay a price. They send back Richard Ponick along with Jacob Verona, a very skillful young defenseman who has a lot of offensive upside. Capitals also send the Wings, 
a first and second round pick. Steve Eiserman is now in charge of the Detroit Red, Red Wings. Look, Anthony Mantha is a nice player. Anthony Mantha has also been injury prone over the last couple years. You get that type of value out of Anthony Mantha. You get a kid like Verona who's a restricted free agent. The Wings are going to have its exclusive negotiating rights. Richard Panik's a nice player. He was on the Hawks for a couple years. He can still play. Bottom six role. He's not going to win any awards, but he's a good player. The first and second round pick is the thing because what have the Wings shown the ability to do countless years? Draft well. Two, Steve Eiserman rebuilt the Tampa Bay Lightning into a Stanley Cup champion. His name should be on the Stanley Cup from last year's championship. Third trade, this is being overlooked. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks trade Matias Yanmark to the Vegas Golden Knights. Matias Yanmark is a really, really nice player. Vegas, top to bottom. They are elite. Everybody's saying Colorado's the best team out in the West this year? Look, Vegas just has Matias Yanmark, a capable second-line center, as possibly a fourth-line guy. Possibly a fourth-line guy. Vegas is loaded. They're ready to go. If you notice, I didn't mention the Taylor Hall trade to Boston. Look, Taylor Hall has two goals this year. He played on a really, really crappy Buffalo Sabres team. In fact, one of the worst teams we've seen in the last few decades. Taylor Hall has two goals. He has said publicly he's not a confident hockey player right now. Can the Bruins turn him around? Look, if he ends up playing with a guy like Patrice Bergeron, I have high hopes for Taylor Hall and what he's going to be able to do in Boston. For now, though, it's not in my top three because Hall, quite frankly, just has not shown it this year. It's the Circle Center Speed Round on the BK Show. Now, before any of you come at me saying, Taylor Hall, how could you not have that in the top three? He's the best player that got traded. Accurate. He's a former MVP. And I texted many of you guys, if the Florida Panthers got Taylor Hall, I would have been jumping out of my apartment with joy and giddy. But, look, Taylor Hall has not shown it this year. And he goes to Boston, he's going to be expected to perform in another big city. That has not added up too well for Taylor Hall over the last couple years. I'm rooting for the guy. I like him. I enjoy watching him. But we'll see. Speaking of the Florida Panthers, I'm heading down to Florida, as mentioned, next week. Going to a couple Panthers games. Going to be huge. I mentioned in the speed round there, the uh, Central Division right now, Carolina, Tampa, and Florida, each of those teams tied at the top, 58 points each. Carolina's 27-10-4. Tampa's 28-12-2. Florida, 27-12-4. Nashville in that fourth playoff spot, 49 points. Chicago, four points back. And now that the Hawks have traded two of their centers and Matthias Janmark and Carl Soderberg, we'll see what we get. But that Central Division is jam-packed. The two games I'm going to be going to, Panthers play the Hurricanes, who they're tied with at the top. It is going to be a blast. Panthers did make a trade. Not in my top three. It is of note, though. Sam Bennett comes over from the Calgary Flames Sam Bennett has been a classic playoff gritty guy, and I think he's going to fit perfectly in Joel Quenville's system down there in Florida. If there's a guy that comes to mind that plays like Sam Bennett, any Blackhawks fans listening right now, remember Andrew Desjardins from the 2013 Stanley Cup team, 2015 as well? Andrew Desjardins came in from the San Jose Sharks and just played rock-solid bottom six hockey on that fourth line for the Blackhawks. You know, Michael Froelich... Andrew Desjardins, and give or take whoever was on the wing, on the fourth line, elsewhere. 
Sam Bennett's the same way. Sam Bennett's going to enter Joel Quenville's system. And Sam Bennett's a former fourth overall pick. He has not played like a fourth overall pick in Calgary. But he's going to head right into that system and play that lockdown, gritty, tough-to-play-against style on the bottom six. He's one of those guys you love if he's on your team, you hate if he's if you're playing against him. And can't wait to watch him when we head down here. All right, it's episode 20 of the BK Show. David Kaplan on the show. Cap, the longtime Chicago sports media personality. He is a legend. If you are listening from the Chicago suburbs right now or anywhere around the city, you know exactly, exactly what Cap brings to any broadcast that he graces. So let's get to David Kaplan right now on the BK Show. We now welcome on a very special guest. It is longtime Chicago media personality, David Kaplan. Cap, it's great to hear from you, man. And I watched the latest episode of the recap, and it looks like you have quite the man cave in there. So I would imagine watching the tournament and the Masters was pretty fun. Oh, my God. And it's great to be on with you. Uh, yeah, my man cave is my pride and joy. When I got married in 2004 to my awesome wife, Mindy, she went out looking for a house, and she's like, what do we want in this house? Because we have four kids between us, none together. I said, "Hun, you get whatever the heck you want. Here's the budget. You get whatever you want. I don't care. The only thing is, it better have a great basement that I can redo. And she's like, you're easy. If that's all you care about, yes, we'll make it work. And that's exactly what we did. And so I designed that thing how I wanted it with the people at Apt Electronics. I've got... Let's see. In the basement where you saw it, it's yeah. got three TVs along the top. It's got a 56 on the bottom. And then the other end of the basement is my gym that I built. Oh, I mean, it's, it, I'm telling you, it'll rival any health club around. And I started using it more and finishing it during the pandemic. And I got two more TVs down there. So, yeah, that basement is my pride and joy. That's unbelievable. And I saw all the jerseys. Can you, like, detail what the jerseys are? So I have more, a lot I've donated to charity because I just don't have the room for them. <laughs> I don't have any space. But in that basement, I have, let's see, Ozzie Guillen because he's a dear friend. So people are like, you have a Sox jersey up? Yes, I don't cheer against the White Sox. I'm a Cubs fan first and foremost, but I don't cheer against the White Sox, and I become very close with Ozzie. Uh, and his kids. I mean, they're very close friends of mine. So I have Ozzy up there, and he signed it to me. I have the late Stan Makita. That's I have awesome. Bobby Hall, Ernie Banks. The other side of the wall you didn't see is Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar jerseys. I've got Frank Thomas down there, Dennis Savard, Tony Esposito. Oh. So, yeah, so I got a really good collection. No kidding. So if ever, if anybody needs a man cave, you're the guy to call in terms of giving recommendations. Yeah, in fact, it's funny, a good friend of mine who works for the White Sox <laughs> called me and said, okay, I'm switching you to FaceTime. I have my, uh, his contractor was at his house, and they were redoing the basement. And he said, I want what you have. I've seen it on some of your videos. This is like a year ago. And so I FaceTimed with them, walked them around the whole basement, and his wall looks identical to mine. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Cap, just thinking about everything you you've watched down there. I mean, thinking about this time last year. This time last year, we were just looking forward to the next episode of The Last Dance, but we get an entire NCAA tournament in a month. We just watched Masters weekend. Baseball season's just getting started. I mean, we're we're getting spoiled around here for sports fans. 
yeah, we are getting spoiled that we've got all this back. Now, if our teams could be any good, like, I think the White Sox are going to be really, really good. I really do. I think they're going to be very good, and it's just going to take a little time for this thing to click. You know, people don't realize that coming off of a 60-game season, that's not easy, man, to all of a sudden demand that these pitchers are able to go like 150 innings from a 60-game season is not going to be easy, and I don't think people realize how difficult that will be. So I think the White Sox will be fine. I don't think the Cubs will be fine. Others do. I hope they're right. I'm a Cubs fan. I don't see it. I just don't think they're that good a team. And I think they're looking for a reason to tear it apart. Uh, I think the Blackhawks are in the midst of a rebuild. That's just a fact. And I don't have a problem. Today I thought they made some very astute moves uh, when they made a bunch of trades to get – draft picks and young prospects back. So I have no issue with how the uh, Blackhawks have handled things today. And I think the Bulls need more talent. They do. You know, everyone wants to make the the uh, playoffs, and I don't see the value in that. I'm not discounting the fact, sure, if you make the playoffs, it's great. The young guys get that experience. Yeah, I'd rather sneak into the lottery and then hope to be in the top four because my pick that I gave up, I'm speaking as them, is top four protected. Mm. Now, if it's not, I give it up, that's fine. But if I can get lucky like last year and add a top four player and, oh, God, heaven forbid, you end up number one or two and you get either Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suggs, right. you've now addressed your point guard position and you don't have to pay $23 million to go get Lonzo Ball or more money to get Mike Connolly. That would be like a godsend. So let's see how that works out. Well, being down here in IndyCap, uh, I went to the Oklahoma State-Oregon State game at Hankel, my alma mater at Butler, and watched Gonzaga at Lucas Oil in the Final Four. And, you know, Cunningham, it, just raw talent. But watching Jalen Suggs live, I mean, Cap, as you know, that Gonzaga team was loaded. Ayayi just entered the draft. Kispert had an off tournament. Timmy is fantastic. But the fact that Jalen Suggs could have that much star power on a team full of stars, that says a lot about what he can do at the next level. Yeah, I'm a huge Jalen Suggs fan, and here's the name that I'm comparing him to, and I think people are going to go, really? Hmm. That guy's in the Hall of Fame. I think he's uh, Jason Kidd. That's who I think he is. Now, I scouted in the league for four years, but I feel like I have a pretty decent handle on what a player looks like coming out. That kid, he's got to get stronger. He's got to put weight on. He's got to continue to improve his jump shot. But I'm just telling you, that kid's a beast. Yeah, you were a scout for the Pacers, right? I read that before. Two years with the Sonics, who are now the Thunder, of course. Yeah. And then two years with the Pacers. How'd you like Indy? Uh, I lived here. I was on the oh, road. Oh, did you really? Time, so both teams had me based in Chicago because when you scout in Chicago, you're able to get to so many games. That's the thing that is so beautiful about being based here. Yeah. You get the Big Ten at Northwestern, Illinois, and Wisconsin. You can get to Purdue in two hours, so you can see everybody that comes through those schools. Then you've got Loyola, so you can cover, at that time, it was the Horizon, yeah. and now it's the Valley. You've got UIC, so you cover the other mid-major league in the Horizon. Anybody that's going to play Chicago State, you pick them off. So you got DePaul, you get the Big East. So, yeah, it was an awesome, awesome way to get 
so many guys seen for very little money in terms of travel. That's awesome. Well, Cap, you cover countless sports, as we just talked about, but one thing you're in on is the Atlantic 10 for um, doing some color for basketball and NBC Sports. VCU was the only team in the round of 64 that had to be canceled due to COVID, which is a shame because I was really looking forward to that VCU-Oregon game. Did you foresee VCU possibly making a run if they didn't uh, get knocked out because of COVID? I did not. I had them going down in round one. I'm trying to remember who they were supposed to play. Oregon, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, I was a big fan of Oregon. I liked Me their too. coach, Dana Altman. And so I thought that they had a very good chance to take out VCU. And I like VCU's coach very much, Mike Rhodes. He's a great dude. But I just wasn't all in on VCU. The team I liked out of the league, they just got a bad draw, was uh, – St. Bonaventure. Right. I think St. Bonaventure is a really, really good team, but you know they got a bad draw. It is what it is, and you move on, and you try and get back there again next year. What were your thoughts about the upsets in the tournament, Cap? Did you? I mean, I don't think anybody foresaw Oral Roberts, but the Abilene Christian story was really cool over Texas, and that was kind of shock his last stand, I guess, now that he's at Marquette. But you know, even though we end up with a national championship of one seeds, this tournament kind of had something for everybody. Yeah, it did. I love it. You know, a lot of people, my partner Jonathan Hood on the radio says, I want to watch the best teams play. So he was excited that it was Baylor and Gonzaga. That's fine. I'll watch the two best teams play. I also don't have a problem if you told me Butler got there or Loyola got there or George Mason when they did it. I thought all of it was cool as could be. So I'm not that hung up that it has to be the best because that's what's the beauty of the tournament. You know, I love the NBA too, and I'll watch a bunch of it tonight, and I'll watch baseball. I love sports. That's just what I do every night. I set up my TVs, and I got games going everywhere. And <laughs> Endless well, options, man. Great games. Pardon me? You got, en- you got endless options I with got all those TVs. Yeah, so and my wife loves hockey, so we put hockey on. And I married a sports girl, so it worked out well for me. I have four sons; they like to watch sports. But you know, the thing is, I don't. If you told me that the final game of the NCAA tournament was Loyola against Abilene Christian, <laughs> sign me up. I think it's cool as hell that we hit, that anyone the most democratic tournament other than the U.S. Open, which literally you and I can get in if you're a good enough player, you get there. It's open to everybody. But the NCAA tournament is also open to everybody. It's not just the 65 or 68 with the play-in, all that. It's not. Because if you win your conference tournament, you're in. You could literally be winless and go to the A-10 tournament, win the tournament, and you're in the dance, and you could dream about winning a national title. Now, I know that's far-fetched. It's not going to happen, but that's my point. Anybody could get there, so I'm not hung up that it's got to be number one versus number two. Well, we got the perfect example of that this year, Cap. Rick Pitino was in the NCAA tournament when Coach K and Calipari were not. Exactly, and I loved it. I thought it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Really, really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Did you like the kind of one city in India experiment? Do you think that has legs for maybe doing something like that in the future, or would you rather go back to the regions? I mean, I want to see fans at the games. Yeah. I, mean, I think that that's you know, part of what all this is about. So I don't think you'll see that continue. Would I have a problem with it? No, absolutely not, especially if you're going to allow fans. I'd have no issue with it. 
Downtown Indy was awesome. I, I, even the first round, I kind of the first round was a little cooler than the Final Four because the first round, a lot of people came in and you just saw shirts from all different schools and colleges, just a unique group of people. And it, it was great for the city, which obviously needed it. So um, it, it was a it was something special for the city. But kind of shifting gears here, Cap, looking at Loyola Chicago uh, right out of your backyard, Porter Mosier goes to Oklahoma. Did you kind of expect uh, if Loyola Chicago made one more run, Mosier might take a big job? I did. I recruited Porter when he was in high school. <laughs> and so I fully expected that he was going to leave. And every time I asked him, he would tell me, you know what, I like it here. I'm never going to close any doors. Let's see what happens. But when he took the Oklahoma job, I kind of saw that coming. And he, look, he's getting, I think, six years at 18 million plus bonuses. So God bless him. I have no problem with someone looking at an opportunity and going, boy, how do I turn this down? Plus, let's be fair, in the Missouri Valley, and I do their games, and I love that league, but in the Missouri Valley, you could have one bad day in March. You could literally be what, 17, 18, and 0 in the conference, whatever number of games you play on a given year, and then you get beat in the conference tournament. It's usually a one-bid league, and you go, you got to be kidding me, and you don't get in. How many times have we seen really good teams with 25, 26, 27 wins not get in, and nobody will play him? He literally calls, you name it, Kansas or UCLA or pick any big school. He calls them. They're like, I'm not playing you. You want to come here? I might play you. Well, hold on a minute. How about I play you twice there, once back here? No, because my boosters think, and my alumni, Kansas is supposed to crush Loyola. You think I'm getting on a plane and coming to play you in that little gym at Gentile? No chance. And that's what these guys go through. Unreal. Well, all the best to him, because... He came on Doc at your show, I think, three times in a month. And personality-wise, he was great. So you got to wish the best to him. Yeah, Porter's a great, great dude. As I said, I tried to recruit him when I was a college coach That's cool. back in the 80s. And he's just a really wonderful person. Cap, looking at the Cubs, do you see the extensions, uh, extensions coming for the big guys? I do not. Mm. I, do. I think somebody will. I don't think they're just going to blow this thing up and get rid of everybody. I don't. But I don't see, you know, two hundred million dollars as had been speculated for Javi Baez. If that's coming, he better get his you know what in gear real quick and start hitting because this team looks awful offensively. Well, looking at contracts too in the big leagues, cap. I mean, in five years, is Mike Trout for four forty? Is that going to look be looked at as cheap? Uh, he no, he's more than five years. No, no, I'm saying in five years, is that contract going to be oh, looked at? In five years. Yeah, in five years. No, I don't think it's ever going to be looked at as cheap. I don't because, look, Mike Trout's the best player in the sport. He may go down as the best player in the history of the sport. All right. Still $440 million. It's still a crazy number. And good for him that he got it. And he's a guy who wanted to play where he was happy. And I'm happy for. My late father once said to me, and Pat Fitzgerald is now living this mantra and giving my late father credit, which is just so cool for me Hmm. to see him say, David Kaplan's late father once said, don't run from happiness. Don't mess with happy. Too many times 
you're with you know a job or you're with a person in your life or it's like no you could do so much but the next logical step is you got to go do that really why why like for me if new york called and said hey we want to have you move to new york it's a bigger stage more money why this is my home i'm happy i get up every day and i go talk sports in my hometown now, if someone says, I'm going to pay you 15 times what you're making, I understand everybody makes a decision. I just hope I'll never make a decision based on money. I live by that mantra that my dad said a year before he died. Don't ever run from happiness. Well, I don't think you can get a man cave that big in a New York City high-rise apartment, so probably best to yeah, stick. Yeah, better be making a lot more money. <laughs> probably best to stick but yeah i mean you gotta i mean for what's happening with the angels right now it's a shame that dex tore his acl because uh, dexter fowler for what he brought to that cubs team um you just hope that mike trout gets those looks in the playoffs because you know he's approaching 30 and what how many playoff ab's has he had four right yeah four yeah, is the number four four that's nuts I mean, crazy they lost a wild card game and that was it that's a shame. Do you so, think Do you think Joe can turn that around? I do. I actually have a ticket. So I do these things now that we've got all this legalized sports gambling. I have what I call championship parlays. And I bet, you know, this team to win the NBA, this team to win the NHL, this team to win the NCAA basketball, this team to win MLB, and that team to win NFL. And you could literally play all the favorites, and the odds of you hitting all of them are so extreme that you could literally, like, change your life. I'm not talking about winning, like, $1,000. Like, I made a parlay bet. I have Baylor to win it. And with Baylor, I have the Colorado Avalanche, who I think is the best team in hockey. I have, I believe it's the Clippers on that ticket. It might be the Utah Jazz. But those teams certainly have a chance. I have the, I think it's, I have two tickets like this. One is the White Sox at 10 to 1 to win the World Series. The other is the New York Yankees. And then the last one is, I think I have the Buffalo Bills at 10 to 1 on one ticket. And I think I have the Packers at 10 to 1 on the other ticket. But if you hit those, that ticket pays north of $3 million. I mean, it's, it's stupid to bet like $20 to win. Two million are just crazy. So that's how I kind of amuse myself. That's unbelievable. Well, I've made one trip to Vegas in my entire life, and we stayed at the Westgate Hotel, and that's with like the biggest sports book in sure. the world. And like, yep, I've, I've never, I've never been exposed to sports betting in my life until like that trip. That was two or three years ago, before all this, you know, uh, online gambling came about. And like, that's just such an eye opener. That's how some people live, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I have a buddy of mine who I went to school with, and I had lost touch with him, and he called me. He's like, hey, did I hear you on your radio show say you're going to Vegas? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, I was listening online. I live in Vegas. Let's get together. I said, you live in Vegas? You were an engineer. And I don't mean a train engineer. I'm talking about the guy who was brilliant in math. <laughs> I said, yeah, I was bored to death. I hated my life. He said, I'm not married. I have no kids. I quit my job, and I'm a professional gambler. I'm like, excuse me? He said, this is what I do for a living. I use my math skills analytically to break down different games and plays poker, does all that stuff. And that's he's the happiest guy in the world. Good for him. Well, that's how the Jeopardy guy made his money. 
Yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Colorado. We just got done talking about Vegas. Hawks make a couple moves today. Soderberg goes to the Avs, and uh, Matias Janmark's now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, and good for him. He gets traded from a place like two great cities. Go from Chicago to Vegas. Not too shabby. But um, the moves that have been made by Stan Bowman, um, do you kind of see a plan coming of like, okay, this is the officially the direction they are going? Yeah, and I have to give him a lot of credit, and I'm going to say it on the radio tomorrow. Give Stan a lot of credit. He was able, with the long-term injured reserve money, that frees up a lot of space on your cap. Jonathan Taves and Brent Seabrook, and he you can then, in that sport, you can't do this in other sports, you call up a team, right. whoever it is. Hey, we want this guy. Okay, I'll tell you what. I want, I think they did this with Vegas. I want a second round pick for that guy. No, we'll only give you a third. Well, I'll tell you what. Do you have a bad contract on your books because you're trying to make other moves? Yes. Okay, park that money on my salary cap and give me a second round pick for that. And so Stan tr- made the trade with the Vegas Golden Knights and got a second round pick and a third round pick, and he had to park some money on his cap. God bless him. I think it's brilliant. How how long do you think it'll be for them? Uh, I would say they're probably not next year, but maybe the year after. You'll see them start to turn north in that division, but it's a really good division, man. That's a lot of good hockey teams in there. Do you see Colleton as the guy, Cap? Uh, I don't know. He impressed me. Two nights ago, I was watching the Columbus game. Yeah. And it's 2 nothing. three minutes into the game. And he uses his timeout really early. And I'm thinking, you know you only get one of those, Jeremy. And he lit into them. Boom. They win the hockey game. And after the game, players said, yeah, coach really kind of turned the momentum around. He got after us really good. So, yeah, give him credit. I don't think anybody gave that guy a fair shake because he was replacing a Hall of Famer, the second winningest coach of all time in Joel Quenville. But uh, good for him, man. Hope he keeps it up. Yeah, Cap, speaking of Q, my parents actually live in Naples. Um, they split time between Mokina and, and Naples. I'm headed there next week. No, me too, man. Actually, me too. I'm going to see him. There you go. But um, down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my parents and I, we've been going to Panthers games forever because they've had the play since I was a little kid. And I've always kind of secondhandly rooted for the Panthers. And, you know, you look at what's happening down there now and Q being the bench boss. And it's crazy that he's doing exactly what he did with a young Jonathan Taves and a young Patrick Kane right over again with a young Barkoff and a young Huberto. It's crazy. It's, it's time repeating. Yeah, he's a great coach. And after he got fired, I'm sure he was ticked off. I know his relationship with Stan Bowman had kind of soured at the end. They weren't on a great, in a great place, and that's fine. Uh, you know, that happens. But when he was let go, and then he got the Florida job, I ran into Joel. Hmm. And I said, and I've gone to the track with him. He's a great person. And I said, hey, Joel, I feel bad for you, man. He said, why? I said, well, I wanted you to still be here. He said, Cap, we won three cups. And I've got three unbelievable memories of those seasons. I made a ton of money, and I just signed for $35 million. <laughs> Gulfstream Park, where I love to go, is 800 yards from where I parked my car at the practice facility. I think we're in a good place. That's so awesome. That's awesome. Cap, yep. last thing. Um, your expectations of the quarterback battle between Andy Dalton and Nick Foles? 
My expect, um, I don't think there is a quarterback battle. Really? Andy Dalton wouldn't be here. I don't. Uh, I still think the Bears are going to draft a quarterback. Andy will be the starter. And unlike what they did with Mitchell Trubisky, when they came out and said, hey, we are absolutely not playing him as a rookie. I had dinner with Ryan Pace. I like Ryan. I think he's made a ton of mistakes, but I like Ryan. And I said, are you going to play that kid as a rookie? Zero chance. He's only played 13 games in college. Zero chance that we're playing that kid at all as a rookie. Oh, after four games, we think we got to play him, which was stupid. It didn't matter how well he played. You knew you were firing John Fox. You knew he was gone at the end of the year. He and Ryan were not great together. I don't think he was Ryan's call to hire him when he got him. Hmm. So you look at all of that. Why play Mitch, make him learn that system, and then fire the coach and make him learn an even more complicated system and have already uh, complicated his mind and everything that went into it. So I don't think they'll make that mistake this time, whether it's Kyle Trask or Mac Jones or – Kellen Mond or whoever they get late first in the second round, I still think they're going to play Andy Dalton until he gets hurt. Interesting. Cap, I appreciate the time, man. We actually met uh, for a very brief five or so minutes when I was 17. I got a tour of Wrigley uh, from uh, Jim Corno Jr. And uh-huh. and my classes, uh, one of my high school classes. And we met along the third base side dugout. You were standing there with Patrick Mooney, who is now another friend of mine. And um, talked for you know five brief minutes just about uh, what I was doing and what I was going to school for. I had made the decision to go to Butler. And um, I think I was wearing a, even a Butler shirt that day. So... Um, Cap, I appreciate the time. I've watched him my whole life. Whole world, man. And yeah, keep it up, man. Keep it up. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Keep kicking ass. It's impressive, and it's great to be on your show. Call whenever you need me. Appreciate you, Cap. See you in Naples, man. Yeah, look forward to it. Hi, brother. Thanks. Don't run from happiness and keep kicking ass. The wise words of David Kaplan. That was awesome. Look, I can't tell you how many times they came back from school, whether that was anywhere between the third, fifth, eighth, freshman year of high school, junior year of high school, senior year of high school, coming home, whether it's you know late August, early September, or whether it's early April into May. David Kaplan, for the longest time, was the pre- and post-game show host for the Chicago Cubs. And now that the Cubs are on the Marquee Sports Network, Cap stuck along with NBC Sports, and he's now with ESPN Chicago. But Cap has been around the block. He loves Chicago. Don't run from happiness. If there's something to take out of that, that's what I took from Cap. Aside from him being hilarious and him being awesome, that's what I took from Cap. That was awesome. And I hope that's a good way to leave it here as we make the voyage down to Florida. Now, the the brain power <laughs> of myself and Brian Todd will soon be in the same room. We have been coordinating this podcast through directly texting and phone calling. Looking forward to driving down, down to Nashville, down to Atlanta, down to Florida, see everybody, taking a couple Panthers games, taking some sunshine, recharge that battery, get set for an awesome month of May. I'm ready to go. I I am fully ready to go for what's to come this summer. I just can't wait to take that deep breath in, 
to enjoy some time and just think about what's to come. I have been blessed over the last, let's call it year, pandemic time, awful. But when you when I think and look at everything that has come into my life, being able to come back down here and talk to you as I'm looking right outside the circle in downtown Indianapolis, do this, have the ability to do this, bring you coverage of March Madness, the most unique March Madness of all time. It just means a lot. It just means a lot. All of you mean a ton. 20 episodes of this podcast, and we're just getting started. Just getting started. Again, we'll have some content over the next couple weeks. Talk to you in May. We sleep in May. Let's go.